welcome to the In No Relation NFL podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt, how's it going? Things good. How are you? Not bad, not bad. We Like we said last week, we're kind of getting into that dead zone of, you know, after the draft, talking about the draft a couple weeks. Now we got about two and a half months until training camp starts, and, you know, we like talking about all the topics that are happening now. Well, we don't have a lot of topics to talk about now, so what we want to do is kind of take deep dives into each division. You can call it a preview. You can call it a review. I, I just kind of want to get deep with every division. Um, today we're going to start with the AFC East. Why? Well, probably because the best team in the league resides there. And um, But I just want to talk about, I think, Matt, we should talk about topics that do come up, you know, before we really get in, just to, you know, keep it, you know, kind of topical and, and current events. And really the one thing that's kind of percolating football-wise in the league right now is the ch- chatter Seattle and Colin Kaepernick. We talked about Colin Kaepernick a little last week about him not getting any bites. Now the Seattle excuse me, a little hot, and it, it, it seems like, uh, you know, I've done some digging in it, and it seems like there's there's some interest there. Do you think it's a football fit? Yeah, I like it. I mean, when him and, to a lesser degree, RG3, you know, we have talked about a handful of times that <sighs> – I just don't know where the football fit is as the backup. You know, Buffalo's come up a few times, but they drafted Cardell Jones last year and Nathan Peterman this year. I mean, there's not a lot of room. Um, Seattle makes a lot of sense in that not only is Kaepernick a highly athletic, you know, lesser, lesser version of Russell Wilson, but they wouldn't have to change the, the offense dramatically if Wilson were to go down, and I like that. Not to mention, you know, that, it wasn't long ago that the Niners-Seahawks rivalry was the number one in sport in, in the sport right now. You know, at, at, at that point where they were elite teams banging against each other, and Kaepernick did his share of damage against these guys. So, Pete Carroll firsthand saw what Kaepernick can do at his best, and how you know difficult he can be to prepare for and play against. So, uh, I, I think if you bring him in and say. Colin, we want to be up front with you. You're not the starter here. You know, you're here for a short stint. If, you know, things go wrong with Russell, you're going to fill right in, and you're, going to big, you're a big step up over Boykin, last year's backup. I mean, it kind of amazed me, considering how little they put into their offensive line and as much as Wilson runs, how little they've put into the backup quarterback situation, too. So this would be an upgrade there and some insurance. And, hey, you might win a Super Bowl. We're a really good team. So... Uh, you might get a chance to showcase what you can do. Certainly in the preseason you can, and other teams will be looking, and maybe you become a, a starter again a year or two from now. Yeah, I, I wrote about it yesterday, and I think it is a good fit for football reasons. But, you know, I kind of led with what's striking is, is that, what you you know, you said about those those teams are rivals, and at one point not too long ago in life, people had arguments of who was better, who would you rather build your program around Wilson or Kaepernick and it was a legitimate argument either way you can make a case for either side and you know while we're both at ESPN I covered that championship game and it was just three and a half years less than three and a half years ago that was the most intense game I've ever covered that was an incredible championship game and now to think that one guy went on to win the Super Bowl and you know an ascending 
elite type quarterback and the other can't get a job as a backup. It's just another story about the NFL and how fleeting this can be. Yeah, it was a great point. And I remember it wasn't that long ago we were both at ESPN, and this was often the topic was, okay, there's five young up-and-coming athletic quarterbacks in the league right now, Kaepernick, Wilson, RG3, Newton, and Tannehill, you know, who's a former wide receiver. And are these the next generation? You know, are these going to take over the mantle for Brady and Manning? And, you know, are all five of them superstars? And please rank them. And all these, you know, obvious comparisons. They were all drafted very shortly within, you know, very right around the same years and are about the same age. And, you know, the jury's still out on Tannehill. Wilson's certainly been a hit. Newton's a hit, and he's coming off an MVP season just a year ago. But now there's some, you know, some questions about him too. Where RG3 and Kaepernick are swimming upstream. You don't think that Newton is going to ever get to that? I think the questions about him are kind of what surrounded him, rather than and the effect it has on him, rather than him itself. I mean, do you agree? Sort of. I mean, I think when you look at Newton, though. The the question is, can we treat our quarterback like he's Mike Allstott and expect him to stay healthy and be an MVP and be the focal point of our offense? Or do we have to change what we're doing? Because I don't think he's ever going to be as accurate as Wilson or certainly Breeze, Manning, Brady, those type of guys. You know, He's a very unique specimen, big and strong, but... Greg Cosell always says this, and I remember interviewing him just at the Combine about Ben Roethlisberger, and he said it perfectly that, hey, quarterbacks get older and defenses don't, you know, and it's going to happen quicker to Cam than others because he used his body like a battering ram, and he's never going to be a finesse pocket passer. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, but I, I just think he has so much ability and Sure. I just don't know if he's going to go the way of Kaepernick and, and RG3. No, I don't, I don't think, think that. Saying that. Uh, I mean, I think he'll always be a starter. I think he's gotten past right. that hump. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Well, we could, you know, talk all day about quarterbacks. It's my favorite topic. When I when I got into the business, somebody gave me the advice, when in doubt, write about the quarterback, because everybody wants to read about the quarterback and talk about the quarterback. So going into our, our segment here about the AFC East, I mean, it starts with the greatest quarterback. I mean, this team is just we, – we've talked about them a lot this offseason. How, <laughs> how incredible it was that they're the, best, the most improved team after winning the Super Bowl, and you just don't expect to see that. But they are, right? I mean, they're this – I mean – can this be the best program ever in, in the NFL as far as the way it's ran? I mean, maybe this is the best program ever, huh? Maybe. I mean, I do think they're massively improved from being a Super Bowl champion that didn't have Gronkowski at the time, let alone Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore and the lesser guys like uh, Ely and Allen. And, you know, I mean, they did have Bennett, so that, that's not a, a complete wash. Um, even Guy, the defensive lineman, is a really good addition, too, that nobody even talks about. Um, or Burkhead. You know, I mean, there's, there's a long list. And they didn't have to give up Garoppolo or Malcolm Butler to do it. You know, I mean, that, that's a big piece of this, too, is they retained two very important players 
if Brady were to go down and as a number one corner, and that didn't hurt him. So it's really hard to find weaknesses of this team. And, I, I mean, I think I've said this to you before, but I've been saying it a lot lately, that if Brady were to get hurt in camp and not play a snap this year, I would still have zero reservations about picking the Patriots to win this division and still be a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I mean, division certainly. Uh, yeah, I mean, and contender certainly. I don't know if Super Bowl favorite, but, I mean, I was at that game week one against Arizona, that Sunday night game. There was no Brady. There was no Gronk. And, you know, Garoppolo, we, 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 we thought he was going to be okay. But nobody expected them to win, and they went and beat the Cardinals. So I don't know if you can count them out ever. And then the guy we haven't mentioned, Belichick, stirs the whole thing. I mean, he's there. So, yeah, why not? Right, right. I mean, I absolutely think that. And I this is extreme. But if I gave you the other 31 teams and you gave me the Patriots to win the Super Bowl, I might take it. Yeah. I mean, I almost worry that this season might not be fun. <laughs> the, 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 you know, of course, it's way too early to say that, and I've made that mistake in the past, but they're by far the favorite. Yeah. It, I mean, you know, injuries will happen and things will happen and balls will bounce certain ways, but if Brady does not get hurt, you could probably pencil them in to host the AFC title game right now, right? Or does have the number one seed? I'm sorry, what's that? You broke up for a second. I'm saying if 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 you're if I were to tell you right now Brady's going to play all 16 games, probably have to pencil him in as the number one seed, right? Oh yeah, I mean to me they're by far the best team in the league. I think Atlanta's good. I think Pittsburgh's good. I think the Raiders are good. Seattle, but. I think New England's a step above who all those other tier two teams by far. And they were a step above everybody in the AFC last year, and they're much better now. Not like a little bit better. They're much better now. I mean, the weapons around Brady are extreme. He's got four running backs instead of two. He's got five wide receivers instead of three. I mean, guys like Hogan and Malcolm Mitchell now are way down the chain of receiving targets, and they're good. You know, you're going to throw to Edelman and Gronk and Cooks, and um, the offensive line's still quite good, and they didn't lose Dante Hightower, and the secondary's better than ever, and it was maybe the best secondary in the league last year. Um, I don't see any resistance in the division in particular. Right. I mean, is there anything? Now, I mean, we could talk about New England all day long. I thought I really loved your tweet earlier today about the Bills players that went to the Patriots. Basically, you said, "Yeah, boy, these guys could help the Bills." I mean, do they interest you at all, Buffalo? Not really. I mean, I think they're very much a team changing their defense, changing their head coach. Hopefully, not making major changes on offense. But is Tyrod Taylor the long-term answer? I think there's major questions with that. Um, can you can't count on Sammy Watkins? You know, I think it's easy to forget how good he is when he's out there, but they didn't pick up the option. They're going to have to be a run-first team. You know, the defense, I wasn't critical of them letting Gilmore go. You know, I, I was just, you know, my point of that tweet was 
Hogan, Gillisley, Gilmore are high-quality players that aren't on your team now, and you're going to be playing against them, and the evil empire has them, and, you know, <laughs> what's worse than that? You know, it would be different if they were in Seattle or San Francisco or whatever. But you're be playing against them twice a year, again, and you're an underdog in that situation all day long. Um, but on defense, they're going to be very Panther-like, you know, where a lot of zone, a lot is going to go into that front seven. But they don't have K1 Short and Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis. and you know. But they do get a guy like Reggie Ragland back, who didn't play at all last year. I mean, is he going to be their pseudo Keekley? Um, even Lawson, you know, he didn't play a lot in the first, his first year either because of injuries. So, you know, and I like the white pick, although, you know, you look at their the corner situation in Carolina, they don't invest heavily in those guys. But I just felt like they looked at the corner situation and said, well, there's not a receiver here to take. We're just going to take the best player on the board at a massive need position, and hopefully that shows up the corner situation. But I think a good year for this team is 8-8. Eight and eight. Yeah, and, and and you really can't say they're a, a building program either, right? I mean, if they're if they're changing eight, program, yeah. And but they, they've ever been changing. I mean, this is a team that's been kind of the same spot the last few years, and we're not seeing major steps forward. Here. I hundred percent agree. Yeah. Nor is there Pat Mahomes or Deshaun Watson sitting there to give you hope that well, if this happens. Boy, we could be a 12-win team soon. You know, like where's the optimism, big picture? Right. Yeah, they're they're sort of like you know, sort of like the Raiders a few years ago. I, I keep using the Raiders as an example because they got the quarterback and they hit it and they completely changed. And that's sure. kind of what Buffalo needs, right? They need they need a quarterback. Dan Khalil Mack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who they traded? Who they? You know, they could have took, and they took Watkins, and, you know, it was very right, interesting. Right. He's a small school guy, but he's a small school guy in your backyard. And and I don't they, dislike they do Watkins, but, boy, I mean, depending how Zay Jones works out, they've had so little for, you know, Tyrod Taylor to work with, too. I mean, they're paying Clay a lot of money, and he's just a guy. I mean, he led the team in targets last year, and, you know, he's – not a top ten tight end. Right. They just weren't running very well. I mean, I don't want to pile on on the dismissed, but Whaley wasn't very good, was he? No, and I actually know him well. He grew up in the community that I live right now. We have a lot of mutual friends that are not football related, and I rooted for him. I knew him when he was a scout for the Steelers. Um, but there's a lot to question there. I mean, they. They traded up on a couple occasions, you know, and trading up for risky business. And you trade up for Watkins. I think they traded up for Raglan. Um, trading up, you better hit, and you better hit big because depth is going to be compromised. And I also don't think, you know, Rex Ryan did a wonderful job there either, you know, and he's a, a hard guy to deal with. And But uh, I don't know. I mean, again, I, I think they're striving for average. But I think they're trying to just kind of tread water now, basically. And, right, you know, almost... and maybe this upcoming off season we'll really see the new group really implement their plans. But I don't envy that organization. You know, if you put me in charge of it, 
what's my building blocks? You know, even like LaShawn McCoy's a really good player, but he's up in age. You know, I mean, by the right. time you're good again, is he going to be good? The, the right. I mean, the skill, you know, yeah, that, we the, talk about we talk about that 2011 defensive draft so much, and you know, they're the team that got Darius. Well, he, you know, he's made some. He's fine. Pro Bowls, but he's certainly not the impact that so many other of those players were in that draft. Right, and if he's your best defensive player, your defense probably isn't that great. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's okay, and he'll probably go to a couple more Pro Bowls, and, you know, maybe they'll, this new system, and that's one thing, I do think this new system might be good for him, that maybe he will be the star Lele or, you know, the, the K-1 short and, and attack a little bit more, and maybe he puts up better numbers, but... I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, J.J. Watt or Aaron Donald. Not a building block guy. You know, it it seems like the only team in this division that is even willing to put on the gloves with with the Patriots and try to get better is is, is Miami. I mean, it seems like they got a decent thing going. And, and, And for them, because of the presence of Belichick and Brady, it might be, you know, might be winning wild card spots in the playoffs for the next few years. But whatever, get in there. You like what they're building? Yeah, they're an aggressive organization. You know that they are. They could have some serious cap issues down the road. They've got a lot invested in Sue and Pouncey and Tannehill, and I wouldn't say that they're getting enough back for their investment. But, you know, they're trying. You know, like, do you really need to give Kenny Stills the big chunk that they did or Timmons or they gave Alonzo a pretty good chunk just now too? Like, those guys are fine, but they're not difference makers. Like, I I think that they don't manage their money all that well, you know, and and a lot of it's because I think they're sort of desperate to catch the Patriots. And I, I respect that, but I don't know that it pays off big picture for you. You know, you got a guy like Landry hitting free agency now. Is he going to leave because he was so much invested in stills? But, yes, I'm a big Gase believer, and I think he's going to resurrect Tannehill's career. And I think we saw signs of that. And I also think they have a guy in Ajayi, and I think the line should be pretty good. And they got skill guys, and maybe they get more out of Julius Thomas. And I do like the additions that they've made on defense. You know, their first three picks were all – defensive players for each level going backwards and they're also a heavy zone team that's going to you know not blitz a lot so they they put a premium on on their their defensive line and they use a first round pick there and wake is still playing really well and um they picked up what's his name hayes uh, hayes for cheap you know a 4-3 defensive end off the rams for nothing and he's going to play quality snaps and they brought back andre branch although they probably paid him too much so now you've got four quality, four, three defensive ends to go with Sue. And, you know, that, that's a pretty good group. And the linebackers are better, but I still think they overpaid for them. And the secondary gets Jones back, a really good safety, and, you know, play a lot of zone, and they have young corners. So I think the arrow's going up with that team, you know, not pointing straight up, probably pointing at an angle, but it's going up. Um, again, I like Gase, and I think Tannehill's going to be okay. But... To catch the Patriots? No. I mean, I think all of us will probably pick them in second in the East, and maybe they get into the wild card again. And um, even though they were a wild card team last year, though, 
they were outscored during the regular season. So there was a little bit of luck involved. I mean, they were a mediocre team that got into the postseason and got beat. I mean, do you see them as a, right now as a top six team in the AFC? I, I kind of do. I don't. It's probably closer yes. to six than four, but, you know. I don't know. I mean, certainly I would put New England ahead of them. Certainly I'd put the Steelers ahead of them. Is Houston better than Miami? That's a huge question mark just because I don't know what Deshaun Watson is. I think Tennessee but, might be as by the end of the year. Right, right. I mean, if J.J. comes back, they might be really hard to score on. Um, if Miami was in the West, though, I could make the argument that they're the worst team in the division. Mm-hmm. And that's not even yeah. saying that they're terrible. But yeah. So they're a borderline playoff team, I guess, is what it comes yeah. down to. And, yeah. you know, we didn't mention Cincinnati and Baltimore. I mean, they could be better. Right. But, I mean, zero is pointing up a little bit. I think so. I think they have a plan. I think they have a coach. I think they have a quarterback. Um, But they're light years away from the Patriots. Yeah. And, you know, coach, quarterback, I mean, that's a hell of a start. Right. That that takes takes you a long way. But you're right about the money. The money might get in their way of, of, of really being able to build, huh, in a year or two. Yeah, and I, I do think that's a problem. You know, we we joke, though. I mean, the salary cap means less now than ever, you know, that you can get around these things. But I just don't think that they spend wisely. And, we, and you know, I just said, yeah, they have a coach, they have a quarterback. But Tannehill's not exactly Tom Brady either. You know, I mean, no. you know, I, I'm saying he's not a bust. I'm not saying he's, you know, Aaron Rodgers. Is he better than – when I think of it, mediocre and, and just good enough, I think Andy Dalton. Is he better than Andy Dalton? I would rather have Ryan Tannehill being coached by Adam Gase than I would have Andy Dalton coached by Marvin Lewis going forward. Not what they've done to date, but going forward. And I'll take him over Kirk Cousins. You know, but there's certainly ten I'd take over him in a heartbeat. I mean, Russell Wilson and, you know, quite a long list. When we talk about the Dolphins and the money they've spent, obviously, you know, the first name that pops up is Sue. Do you think he's not, you know, getting their money's worth out of him? Because I don't think that's even possible. But is he a, is he a top ten defensive player right now? I think so. And I think he gets a little bit of a bum rap, you know, from the general audience that, He's he's not J.J. Watt, so everyone just says, boy, he's overpaid, and, you know, they've seen him stomp on people and do some dirty things, and, you yeah, that doesn't bother me. That doesn't mean he's a lesser player. Um, but I think he's a top-ten defensive player in this league. I mean, uh, I would rather J.J., I'd rather have Donald. And then you start looking at, you know, 300-pound defensive linemen. How many more would you put over Sue? Yeah, not too many. Well, top-ten is elite. You know, is right. I think he's a perennial he pro a position where he's not going to get a lot of numbers. So, you know, he affects the game more than the box score, certainly. And that's just the life of a defensive tackle. But it just seems to me that we haven't heard enough about him for the right reasons. And maybe that's just because he's a defensive tackle. I think, I mean, I think when you watch the tape, you realize that every opponent Miami faces – fears him and game plans around him. 
and he does very much make those around him better and is still disruptive despite getting double and sometimes triple teamed. Um, but, and I think he is a deserving perennial Pro Bowler year after year, but you're right. He doesn't end up on Center enough. When he does, it's usually for, you know, like you said, stomping on somebody's face, you know. <laughs> right, and it's been a while since he's done that. And Yeah. Hey, I'm in Pittsburgh, but you know what? and Joe Green used to do the same it, thing. It, it, it's not it's not bad having a guy on your side that seems to have to worry. Is, is he gonna is he is this guy gonna stomp on my ankle when I you know, I mean it's, there's some fear factor there, isn't there? Yeah, right. I mean he's not you know, getting he's not beating up women or getting in trouble in nightclubs or doing drugs or he's nasty on the field and he can play for me any day. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know do uh, you think Cameron Wake is does he get enough credit? I mean no, he's still player. great. I mean, what's amazing, it's amazing how good he is still. Because he came back from a serious injury in an advanced age, and I thought, boy, you know, chances of him being the same guy are pretty slim. He's, every bit is good. I thought he was great last year. And I, I think their defensive line has a chance to be phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, wait, I think he was 34 last year, wasn't he? I think. I mean, I remember yeah. I was with the Browns watching him at the Hula Bowl. <laughs> you know, way back when, and he didn't get drafted, and he went to Canada. So he didn't. He didn't even get a free agent signing. I don't know how that worked, but he ended up going to Canada straight out of college, and he was not drafted. And that's came pretty back rare a for a guy to go to like a you know a, a, a All Star game, not and get not drafted, get a free and not even signed. I would imagine what happened. I'm totally guessing. I'm trying to remember. I mean, it was a long time ago. But I would imagine he ended up in a camp, got cut, and then went to Canada. But yeah, he killed it for the you know killed it up north. Yeah, I think he was with the Cowboys or something for a minute in Maybe. camp. Because he was a named guy. Like when I'm at the Hula Bowl, let's watch Wake. You know, I mean, he was a good player at Penn State. I mean, it wasn't like he was a nobody had heard of the guy. Right, right. Well, let's wrap up our AFC East talk with the Jets and. Dolphins are a team that, you know, narrows point a little bit. The, the, the Bills are kind of mired in, in kind of nowhere's land, no man's land. What are the Jets? I mean. I think they're in potential to be the worst team in the league. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. you look at the – they're in the conversation. I mean, they really are. Uh, I think they had a good off season in that they were smart. And we talk about this a lot. Like when the, when the season ended, if I was the Jets, I was going to take a Browns-like approach and get rid of all my old overpriced dudes and try to accumulate every draft pick I possibly can. But they didn't have a lot to work with, and I wasn't going to reach and take a Deshaun Watson and throw him behind a bad offensive line. Uh, let's give Hackenberg at least a year. We're going to pick in the top five next year. See what we have in those guys. Bring McCown in as a mentor. So I like some things they did, but I felt by far they had the the worst hand of cards. They had the least cards to play to improve, you know. And even letting guys go, Brandon Marshall's and all those, they're not going to pay off like it did with Cleveland and in, in com- compensatory picks. And they weren't able to trade down like the Browns and get a bazillion draft picks for the future. I mean, it's going to be a long road and. 
I think they made some good moves. I think the defense is going to be respectable. You know, they put a lot into the secondary, especially in the draft. I get that. I think their defensive line is still really good. I don't think people talk about Leonard Williams enough, but I think he's in that conversation with a guy like Sue. I mean, I think he's a great player. And they have some other guys up front, obviously. Um, But, boy, you look at their offense. I mean, people that are listening – Go to OurLads.com and pull up their offensive depth chart. And I'm not sure that there's any team in the league that's worse off on one side of the ball than the Jets are for right now. And it's not like they're loaded with optimism. Their line is bad. they got a bunch of receivers that are just guys. Their tight ends are terrible. I like Bilal Powell, but he's Bilal Powell. (laughs) I think they're going to be the worst offense in the league. Wow. And that's I mean, even if Hackenberg's decent. So, I mean, and, and, and Hackenberg is probably not going to be decent. Probably not, right. Yeah. I mean, do they do enough offensively in the draft? No, but they needed everything and they didn't have enough resources. So, I mean, no, of course not. I mean, their offense is terrible. But I like Gardarius Stewart a lot, but he's a two or three receiver. You know, I mean, these are third, fourth round picks. Right. Uh, you couldn't do enough in the draft. That first you know, and I love the Jamal Adams pick. pick I think he's going to be a star, and I think he'll be a perennial Pro Bowler too. But you only had first one one first round pick. <laughs> you know, I mean, they right. just they, they, they just did the right cards. thing. That, they did the right thing with the number six pick, don't you think? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I, I would if I were the Bears, I would have sat at three and taken Adams. I like him a lot, and I think that you know he will be a very good player, a safe player, a leader a winner, you know, all those kind of things. But, unfortunately, you only have one pick in the first ten. You know, you needed six of them in the first ten. You know, they just need everything and just don't have resources. It's going to be a long Would you have rather the Jets traded down to ten and got Mahomes rather than Adams at six? I mean, you think they did the right thing there? I mean, who knows if that was even going to be available to them. I was going to say, I mean, if if I were the Jets, I would try to trade down in every round and get every future pick I possibly can and try to enter, you know, try to draft 10, 12 dudes and have nine or 10 of them make the team like the, you know, like the Browns did, you know, and I wouldn't have taken Mahomes. I would have traded down to 10 and taken Hooker, you know, (laughs) I mean, and just kept still furnished, you know, attacking that defense or or taking Latimer, you know, the, the, the corner, um, I would not have taken a franchise quarterback. This, and I love Mahomes, but I think that's a toxic, terrible environment to throw a first-round pick in. Take a defensive player that's going to be a quality guy for you. I think is the right move. And my hunch is that nobody was begging to trade up to six. Right. Certainly. Right. I mean, we may be talking about the Jets building for two, three, four years here, right? I mean. Yes. We talked about the Browns last week, and they have an opportunity to move up. The Jets may take the Browns' place here on the bottom, right? Yes, yes. I mean, I've said this on the air many times. I, I said this for a year. I would much rather be the GM of the Niners and especially the Browns than the Jets. I mean, they are right. – if I were a Jets fan – I would be very happy if my team looked like the Browns does right this second, two years from now. You know what I mean? Like, boy, wow. we got all we got three first round picks. We have an offensive line that's in place. 
you know, we might need a quarterback, but at least we got this Kaiser guy that's interesting. Crowell's a good running back. You know, uh, we got Peppers, and we still have Joe Hayden and Joe Thomas and Jamie Collins and Miles Garrett and Danny Shelton. Like, if I'm the Jets, I would kill yeah, to be where close. the Browns are. What's that? It's not even close. I mean, that has to be close. so depressing that the Jets, you are two years behind the Cleveland Browns right now. Right, right. And all those guys I mentioned for the Browns are – young and don't cost anything, and they have all this cap space, and they still have Houston's first and second round pick next year, and, you know, so the Browns have cards. You know, the Jets don't have any cards to play. And, you know, the thing, and the flip side of it, because now the the Jets are paying for being old and expensive, is they didn't get anything out of those guys. It's not like they were good in the last no, right, four right. years. No, you're right. Yeah, 100%. You know, that. Uh, investing heavy in Revis and David Harris and Brandon Marshall. and I mean, still you had Ryan Fitzpatrick as your quarterback, and, yeah, I mean, you were still – you didn't come close. You weren't still close to the for crown. Rex's mistakes, really. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Yeah. And, and in a and way, I mean, I'm a big Todd Bowles built. fan, but, you know, Todd Bowles wants Patrick Peterson. He wants a number one corner. And that's why they went heavy in on Revis, and it bit him. You know, he him being a flop hurt bad. And they were old on defense. I mean, uh, there was no way around that. They're, some of their best guys got old quick, and it hurts you. And even you know, draft picks like Calvin Pryor and Lee last year, I mean, they're getting nothing from those guys so far. Right, yeah. Do you, do you think Bowles will even be around when they have a chance to get better? It's a good question. I mean, it would take some pretty serious patience and dedication if they're the, you know this year's one in fifteen team, draft a quarterback first overall, and are you know are they still going to stick with Bowles through all that and with no hope of being good for two or three years? I, I would bet not. I mean, this is how the NFL works. Yeah, I mean, because he'd be. I mean, he keeps going down. It may not. And it's probably not his fault. Because the way I don't think it's his but... fault. But right. I mean, it's going to get worse before it gets better. You don't you don't keep you don't keep a guy for year four if they went one and fifteen in year three. You just don't do it, right? Or you don't extend them, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's you know it it's this is just an interesting maybe it's not an interesting division. You have you have. Yeah, I don't think it is. Yeah, but it, when we do the other ones, I think it'll be a lot more excitement or boy, that could pan out this way, but. I'll put a chip down right now that this division ends up being New England, Miami, Buffalo Jets in that order, and I feel very yeah. confident about it. But the the kind of the, the Patriots kind of set the pace for the rest of the division. You have one team trying to spend too much money, you know, and, and not good enough. The other team doesn't know what the hell it's doing, so it's just stuck. And then you got you know the, one of the worst teams in the league that you just count two game two wins against every year. It's like. They've kind of run in the show in this division. No doubt. And they have for, what, 14 years or 15 years or something. Yeah. And it's got to be a miserable feeling if you're a Bills fan. And, like, boy, this kind of looks good. Or, you know, like Miami's doing right now. Like, yeah, we're starting to build things. But, wow, are we far from the best team in the division. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so far. <laughs> you know, the, and, of course, I mean, if you were to do a power ranks, I would put the Jets at 32 in the league right now, and I would put the Patriots at one. So the distance from – bottom to top can't be any greater. 
Yeah, yeah, and and Buffalo's probably twenty five. Miami's sixteen. Yeah, Miami's seventeen or something. You know. So there's nothing close here. You know, they're they're no. all kind of distant. Yeah. Well, and next Brady week we'll and Gronk and division. five other guys would have to get hurt to make it a race. Right. Right. Next and week. Next Garoppolo, week. We'll, you know? uh, let's do let's do the AFC North next week. Alrighty. Cool. All right, Matt. This, this is that time of year. We're just running through shows, man, breaking it down. So I appreciate everybody. Thanks for listening to the NFL, no relation to NFL podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt, we'll talk next week.